You know, you're not there to be somebody's friend. You can be a buddy and a boss, but you don't have to be a buddy and a boss. And there's too many places where officers would rather just have a simple day because they don't want to put their foot down and enforce the rules than not. They just want to say, okay, I'm here, I'm doing my time, and we'll go. And that's, that's unacceptable. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. You are a humble guy, but you are the brains behind the Journeyman Fire Conference, the Journeyman Firefighter Podcast. Uh, you are an instructor at FDIC, Andy Frederick Training Days, Art of Firemanship, Firemanship Conference. And like I said to everybody that was watching, you are a fireman's fireman. So I'm really excited to have a good talk with you today uh, about everything that's going on. Uh, I've had the pleasure of posting an a article on Firehouse Vigilance that you wrote. And also, I'm going to publish the one you made a post about the Civil War. And I really enjoyed that post. And so I asked you if I could publish it as an article, and you said, go for it. So that one's coming out also. So um, I already introduced you a little bit, but you can go ahead and uh, just kind of say who you are, and then we'll kick this thing off proper. Uh, I'm Kyle Samsing. I'm a lieutenant in the city of Newport News, Virginia. I'm at Company 2, the East End Engine House. Um, That shapes a lot of what I do and what I talk about. I'm very big on doing what you do. Um, we have two engines in my firehouse. Um, so one runs front, a second, and then a rescue and, and a medic unit. I'm also a uh, part-time guy in the city of West Point, which is a town I live in, small town, about 3,000 people. Um, gotcha. I'm on call tonight. That's probably why you see the, the job shirt and all that. But, okay. um, yeah, I've been in the fire service for almost 15 years now. I'm, I've got 11 years in the city of Newport News. Um, been in West Point for about two and a half. I volunteered before that, and then all the way back into college. So if you include that, which I don't, because it's not firefighter one and two time, it was just hanging around the firehouse. Cumulative time, I've got almost 19 years, but actual being up at the firehouse and doing stuff is probably around 15. So. Nice, nice. Uh, how, what, what was the impetus to say, I'm going to start my own conference? And then, and then not only that, but then now my own podcast. Um, so I've always wanted to do try the conference thing. I went to Portland and I was blown away by what I saw in Portland. Um, and it, you know, I, I did my first one a month before my first trip to Portland, but I had seen Andy Fredericks. I've been Andy Fredericks every year, but two years. Um, and I just thought there was a need for it in the area. There's a lot of local smaller rural departments where I live that are kind of stuck between Richmond and then the Tidewater uh, area of Virginia. Tidewater is like, um, Hampton, Newport News, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, that kind of okay. area. Uh, and then the Richmond area, metro area. So there's a lot of small departments around here that don't get um, the exposure that they probably need or that, that they deserve um, two big names in the fire service. Um, so that was a big thing. The other thing is I became a task force uh, member for Sons of the Flag. So I really wanted to raise some money for them. And local burn camps, we go up and we cook uh, meals for the Central Virginia burn camp. Uh, we've done that. I've done that two years in a row now. Well, as long as it happens with, you know, with all this going on, you know, hopefully we'll make it a third. Uh, but between the two years of the conference, we were able to raise almost $50,000. Wow. So the first year, see, 20 went to the Central Virginia Burn Camp. $10,000 went to the VCU Burn Center, Evans Burn Center, which is the first civilian burn center in the country. Um, and then this year we were able to do about $10,000 for sons. Uh, local, we had a police officer die in the town that we were in. Um, so they were trying to do a physical fitness program for the volunteers, paid staff, and the police. So we're going to get some money to that, as well as the school that hosts us 
Um, they have a, a pretty robust drama department. We want to make sure that they're taken care of as well. That's um, awesome. So I'm not sure where it goes from here. We're kind of – anybody that doesn't know the conference thing, it's kind of become oversaturated. Um, and that's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot no, of things yeah. going on out there. And so I'm not sure if we're going to do every other year or if we're going to fold it up and see what we do going forward. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of what we were able to do for local firefighters and the money that we were able to raise uh, in the long run. At the same no. time that started, Grant Schwalbe out of Estero and uh, Lieutenant Andrew Zisk, newly promoted, congratulations, Andrew Zisk, um, both contacted me individually about doing a podcast. Podcast necessarily isn't my kind of style of things, but I like both those guys a lot. And I really thought that we, we could have something there between the three of us, between people we know and our ability to, to talk to certain people. So that kind of kicked off. We used the same kind of name because of the journeyman process in, in, in the trades unions, you know, uh, you know, from you know, journeyman to you know, apprentice to journeyman to master. And, you know, you never in a fire service. I don't really think you ever get to that point of being a master. Right. Just right. Many things to do. So you're always a journeyman. You're always working. You know, I made a post that, in the NFL, a journeyman quarterback is a terrible thing to be. But in the American Fire Service, a journeyman is a very good thing to be because you're constantly working, constantly learning from people that you're around and constantly improving your um, perishable uh, craft. So. Awesome. That is awesome. Man. But, yeah. uh, I have a couple questions for you here that came up. I'm going to read them real quick. First one is Lucas Chu says, good, thanks. Do you all have programs in-house that focus on officer development outside of the textbook? I'll let you speak for you. Uh, we do uh, we do not. Uh, we currently are working on it. We've got a new fire chief um, that's working and revamping all that. He's really big into officer development. But right now, we don't have any of those programs. Um, it's just kind of been read the book, test out. Welcome to your first day on the floor. We did one a few years ago that was just like a trial run and see how it worked. And uh, I thought it did really well, but the overtime costs are limited about what they could do in the future. So hopefully they'll bring back kind of what my, my buddy Joe started um, – couple of years ago As of right now we uh we don't have anything sorry in writing oh you're good he's protecting the house i guess <laughs> uh sorry go ahead this means my dog to interrupt you oh no no, no that's it that's uh we okay. don't have anything formal we just we just have you know uh what you've done outside and it's kind of how you get better and, and you're you're kind of giving a tick on on the first day and put up front and said hey welcome to be go the for boss. it so there you go yeah. You're lucky you had a good mentor. Yeah, that's uh, ours. Ours is, um, has grown quite a bit over, the, especially over the last probably five to ten years. We now have a, a academy in place that um, the two week academy for everybody that promotes that they have to pass before they uh, move on. And there's quite a bit of uh, development put into that two week academy where they bring in um, guys from the department to actually teach different parts of the class and things like that. So in answer to your question, there is a little bit outside the book, and it's growing uh, every day as we move forward. Uh, also asked, and this one's from Nathan, uh, Nathan McDade. Oh, maybe if I can get rid of my – there we go. Um, he asked, where can you listen to the, the podcast at, Kyle? And I, I can basically um, – I've never – It's yeah, on it, – you, You're on upside iTunes. down. Uh, am I upside down? All right, hold on. Yeah. I'm trying to – my phone no, you're charged, good. but I only have the the wireless charger, so it's kind Boom, of. Oh, there you go. Are we good? All right. Uh, so you can get it on iTunes. You good? You're good. Okay. Yeah, we you can get it. it on iTunes. Uh, you can get it on Brothers in Battle on their website. Um, I think you can get it on some of the um, the Android platforms. I'm an Apple guy. I'm an iTunes guy. So uh, 
anything else that I'm not really for sure on. But you can always go to the Brothers in Battle and list it right from there with um, the other podcasts that they do as well. No, and I can say that I'm an Android guy, and I've never had any trouble. I've used like two or three different podcast apps, and it's on every one of them. So if you just search for Journeyman Firefighter, it pops up on almost every platform I've seen. So and we should be doing I can say some this. more here now that it's a uh, it's our loads lightening up um, with guys like I, I have an 11 month old at home, so things are starting to lighten up. Right. For me, Grant and uh, Andrew should be starting to do some more here shortly. We've kind of been slacking the last couple of years or months, but um, we'll be back into it shortly. I was going to say, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I don't say that lightly. I listen to Jocko. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan and the journey. And I listen to anything firefighter related, but it really is. In fact, uh, that's my only complaint about it is there's not enough of them. So <laughs> it's, that's it's a good complaint. To do with three different schedules. Um, we try to do a little bit different. I really don't think anybody wants to hear Grant, myself, or Andrew speak. We do a little bit, but we try to really focus on the guest. We, we try not to think of it as a morning show. Um, we don't do a lot of banter at the beginning. We kind of cut right to the chase. And if you've heard the Fields one or the one with Laguerre, um, you know, Laguerre, I think Laguerre is an hour and a half, and Fields is almost two hours of him. I think we asked maybe a question or two. I was uh, – go ahead. It's just nothing but gold. Um, And these guys, their knowledge and their ability to relate it to people is just fantastic. I know we were kind of typing in our little uh, side conversation during it. We're like – we were afraid to jump in. So you can hear a couple of times we're like, uh, uh, uh. but, um, you know, they just, they provided with so much great information. And I know it's really tough to get fields on stuff like that. Um, it's just not his medium. And I, I mean, it changed. I was writing notes while we were recording and it changed the way I think about our, my teaching process and the way that I, you know, not necessarily how I teach a class, but the steps we build in the, the learning process that we go into, because I never thought of, Oh, what's this learning process that academics have been going through and going right. through years? And as soon as I research, I'm like, oh, I've been doing some of that, but that really makes a lot of sense. And uh, it's just, you know, I don't, I hate to do my own, but it's not really us. It's it's Aaron that really makes that podcast, uh, you know, really good. No, the uh, you you said the two I I wrote down in my notes here, uh, episode four, Aaron Fields, one of the most amazing podcast episodes i have passed that out to so many people and said dude you gotta listen to this it's long and the way you guys let him run and i mean it was just great hosting i cannot say that enough and then the other one you mentioned episode nine was with dennis laguerre those are my two favorite episodes you guys have done uh phenomenal uh and we, and we try to do different things than they normally talk about like okay we can add right. Aaron on talk about nozzle forward sure um but that's what everybody has done you know or we want to have laguerre on Let's talk about, you know, I think we talked about hydrants and above ground yes. water for almost 45 uh, I, minutes. The AWS I, thing, I had no idea until I listened to that. And was, I've seen that on so many things. So it, It's mind-blowing to people that go back and listen to it. I know I learned so much from it. It's a, it's a really enjoyable medium, and I really enjoy doing it. We're going to have try to have those guys back on and try to do another thing. Um, uh, until I listened to episode four, I had no I mean, I know the name Aaron Fields. Of course, I know Nozzle Forward. I had no idea the depth of that guy's uh, knowledge on instruction. I mean, it was it was impressive to listen to. Oh, he's a, he's an impressive person, that's for sure. So um, so those are awesome things. Now, then, you also uh, – I don't want to – how do I put this in the, in the best possible light? You also tend to make people angry. I wouldn't say angry. I tend to speak my mind. Um, I learned, I'm, I'm trying to say how to play it nicely because I'm trying to be better. Um, <laughs> I have been trying to be better about it. I have been sober now since the middle of January. Okay. Anybody that's out there, if they want to talk about it. Um, 
I think we took put too far too much emphasis in the fire service on alcohol and alcohol related activities. And there's kind of a stigma and shame behind not drinking. Um, I got to give props to guys like uh, Rick George and other guys like that. that really forced me and, and supported. Um, it got me where I need to be. Um, some of that was alcohol related, putting my guard down and allowing me to say, say things probably, I probably shouldn't have said. Right. Um, but a lot of it is how I feel. Um, I am an old school punk kid from, I don't hide that fact. I'm pretty anti-establishment. Are we still running here? It's kind of circled through us. Sorry. No, um, it, it, it buffered so for a second. Always... We good? We're good. Okay. So, you know, I'm kind of anti-establishment. And um, I saw a side of the fire service that I wasn't necessarily enjoying. Um, I like the big conferences. I think they're great. I didn't like a lot of the business aspect of stuff I was seeing. Um, I don't like the glad handing and the I'm friends, you know, to somebody's face. And then you turn around and you talk to the same guy and you're like, Oh, this guy. Um, I think it's kind of disingenuous. And uh, I, I am who I am. I, I, I don't hide who I am. I, I'm going to say the same thing to somebody's face as I'm going to put on Twitter. I try not to be too confrontational, but I'm not going to hide those things. Um, and I'm going to tell people how I feel. Like, I think last night I put something in the, uh, the ULFSRI uh, study. Or they're not. They're just demonstrations with wires. Um, let's call it is what it is. There's no replication. There's not really any true science. It's great information, but let's not get wrapped and think this is some sort of revolution. You're just, con you know, you're, you're getting information that we've known for years and being able to quantify it. Um, and, it and that rubs certain people the wrong way. And when I say, oh, you know, these people make so much money for this or so much money for that. And, but you start saying some things and people start going, oh, ooh, ooh, he says this and he says that. Okay, I understand that. But just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because people haven't said it in the past doesn't mean it's incorrect. Um, I know that a lot of people don't say things because they feel it'll alienate themselves from the positions they can in to reach people. Um, People don't want to say things because they don't want to be kicked out of conferences because they feel like, hey, this is our chance to reach certain people. Um, and if I'm not there, somebody else will be spreading a message. Um, and the funny thing is, is it's never personal. You know, there's a lot of guys that I disagree with quite a lot. Um, if you go on Twitter, Lane Woolery and I and some of these guys have gone back and forth for days on end of just tactics and basic understandings of what we think is right or wrong. But then we all met in New York at a fire conference, and we all got along with chops. It's not a personal thing. It's just a professional difference of an opinion with certain things. And uh, a lot of the guys out there that I've met will, will agree with that. Um, you know, you can take what you want on what you think I say on social media or, or my brashness. And, that, and that's fine. It's always going to be who I am, and I, I've always been known for that. I've always been known for being a little hard-headed and, and, and not changing my opinion and, and, uh, and standing by what I think is right. And uh, that's going to be, be me forever. But it's not, it doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make I think anybody else is a bad person. Right on. Right on. Hey, speaking your mind, it can't be a bad thing. Uh, especially uh, it, it absolutely <laughs> can't be a bad thing because I know I have, I have not gotten invites to certain conferences or been blackballed from certain things. Because of, but it's okay. I don't care at the end of the day. I have my job as a fireman. Um, and that job is to protect the citizens of Newport News and West Point, where I live. And uh, that's really all I need. If somebody told me tomorrow that I couldn't teach anymore or do anything like that, I'm quite all right. I love my job. I love my family. 
and uh, that's really all, all I need. You know, the, the rest is just icing on, on the cake. Solid. Uh, if you had to pick top three things that make you angry then? I'm not really so much an angry guy. People think I am, uh, <laughs> but I'm not. Right. Uh, I don't know. Politics in the fire service. Like, not like politics, but like when somebody starts dragging political things in the fire service. Uh, you know, I know inherently it is, but it, it's gotten out of control a little bit in the last couple of years. Sure. Um, I would say... Writing off anybody, what we, we do in the best in the fire service, and I hate to say this, is we take a book and we judge it immediately by its cover and never change our opinion of it again. Um, you know, we've all made mistakes in our careers. We've all done stuff in the fire service that is, um, that you know, we own up to the problem, we move on. Um, but we tended to say, oh, no, that guy said something I don't agree with. He's never right. We can never talk about anything again. Or, you know, you get that rookie that everybody said all these things about. Um, and you immediately write them off, and you automatically label them the same way that the other people did. Um, you know, a lot of what we do isn't based in our actual perception, somebody else's perception. When I got to my station that I'm at now, my captain, she said, I'm sure you've heard a lot of things about me. They're all true. It doesn't matter. We all work on and we move forward together. I was like, wow, okay. You know, you start fresh everywhere you go. And I think that's one of the biggest things we don't do. We don't get people a fresh start. We, we automatically paint them with a brush from somebody else's paint bucket. I think that's really unfair to people. You know, you, there's a lot of shaming for stuff, whether it's um, their, their lack of experience, their, their department they work for, um, you know, their appearance, you know, the big thing has been fitness system. I'm not a small guy, but I can still do work. You know, I, I had problems where I, after a couple of friends died, that I drank heavy beers for a couple of years and added weight pretty quickly. Um, and we, we shame people and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty pathetic that we've gotten to this point where people just shame people and run into the mud for nothing. Um, so that's probably my third thing. Second and third probably. There, but those, those things make it. Everything else, you know, tactic differences and, and uh, all that stuff, that's all, you know, a, a lot of people read, oh, you got angry about that. Oh, you're misreading the tone of my, my text. You know, a lot of right, the, my right. stuff on the Internet is, is, is snarky and, uh, smart ass, and a lot of the guys that I know can can interpret now and at least understand uh, where I'm coming from. But you know, there is there is a level of anger there in the fire service that I think people are, you know, kept underfoot to a certain extent, and I think that's a lot in society. Um, and I, that's why I identify with the punk rock culture. And I wrote a thing a couple of weeks ago, months ago now, is punk rock in the fire service. And, you know, I, I think there's a group of people in the fire service that are fed up and had had enough of being controlled by certain entities and other things and being told what they can and can't do. And I think right. that's where we're starting to get to the point. And guys in departments, you know, um, whether it's a, a nozzle committee being told, listen, kid, you know what the hell, hell you're talking about, or, you know, this, that, the other. And meanwhile, they can provide numbers up and down the line of why these are better. Right. Uh, you know, you can really ruin a person's career and their attitude just by telling them, you know, get out of the way. No one cares about your opinion, kid. So I think there is somewhat of a renaissance of an underground culture coming in the fire service and, and, and I'm glad to see that because a lot of guys have been you know I, I don't want to say the word oppressed because that's not the word for it but you know kicked aside and told that oh you're passionate too much or you care too much and, and, and I think that's really wrong um, you know Mark Van Oppen and, and um, 
and Kurt down in uh, Florida are really, really pushing that kind of stuff and understanding, listen, it's okay to be a fire squirrel. It's okay to say I listen to fire radio or other departments on my days off. It's stuff, that's okay to do. Um, and the guys that are doing that are going to make a positive change. Uh, and you're not going to hold them down. It's not going to be an angry reckoning. It's going to be a passionate reckoning. Uh, and I think that's hey, Kyle. Yeah, go ahead. I'm hey, No, you're good. You're good. Uh, see if you can pull the mic away from your shirt. Someone said that. I don't use this mic very often on my headphones. So. so, you know, is that better? Oh, yeah. Much better. Okay. Sorry. So, uh, Continue. A, a lot of people view it as an anger, but it's much more of a passion that shines through um, a lot of people. Um, but if you ask some of those guys, I don't think they would say they're angry. I don't think I'm angry. I, I don't think that's that's how it rolls up. But it, it definitely is a passion, and I think it comes with a lot of years from getting kicked down and, and being told you don't matter or, you know, um, your views aren't, aren't coinciding with what the, the group thinks they should be. So. Right. No, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way, and that's uh, it connects with a lot of people. Lucas Chu was asking, is the Journeyman Firebomb Conference coming back this year? It's not going to be coming back in 2021. Um, that's one thing we know for sure. Um, just too much local stuff. The Brad Clark one kicked off the year before, um, and I'd love to see that flourish. I wouldn't do anything to take people away from numbers for that. I just think it's such a good program. And, awesome. Um, and Brad is just such an amazing human being. I told him all the time um, back in the day that I was always jealous of his personality, his way to work a room. Um, it's just a phenomenal person. Uh, and that was a friendship that started off a little rocky too. We almost got in a bar fight uh, about over slicers. Uh, he was wearing a Hanover shirt, which is where he works. And everybody at that time was coinciding Hanover with slicers, which I'll say this to everybody that's listening. Hanover does not use slicers. They are very aggressive firemen there in Hanover County. Um, and me and the buddy mom, we booed him every time we walked by. Well, about six times after that, he was sick of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of chest poking going on, but, uh, we realized you know, very quickly we were cut from the same cloth. And uh, just what, a, what an amazing human being. What a, what a terrible life to cut short. Um, and so I want to support those guys and do whatever they can possible. Um, there may be something coming in the future where we maybe shift it further down the peninsula a little bit, down to my neck of the woods in Newport News. Um, you know, not necessarily the German conference, but something like that um, in the future. But, but we'll see. It, it definitely will be back in 2021. Okay. Well, there's that answer. Um, always so many questions to ask. I always like to ask this question of every guest I have on because you've traveled, you've taught, uh, you know, and you've touched a lot of uh, fire department cultures. And I say, what do you see as the number one issue facing the American fire service? Uh, officer accountability. Um, I see it everywhere from every department, in, in, you know, including my own, no matter whether it's the full-time or the, the part-time department. Officers willing to draw that line in the sand and say, no. You know, you're not there to be somebody's friend. You can be a buddy and a boss, but you don't have to be a buddy and a boss. And there's too many places where officers would rather just have a simple day because they don't want to put their foot down and enforce the rules um, than not. They just want to say, okay, I'm here, I'm doing my time, and we'll go. And that's, that's unacceptable. Uh, you have to hold your people to a standard and enforce that standard. My guys know when they get off the truck in the morning what they need to check off, what they need to do, that we're going to hit some stuff up. And then if we get the training done, the rest of the day is theirs. I'm, you know, I don't care if you lay down at 10 o'clock. You know, you're going to be up on that medic all night. Hey, we run 12-hour medic shifts. So the, the, 12 hour, the night crew, the night trainers, we call it, from 8 to 8, go lay down, get your rest in. If you do some training and you miss it, we'll make it up next day. But the basic things of the job need to be met 
And if they're not met, then we need to reevaluate where we're going with things. But so many times, officers refuse to put their foot down and make those hard decisions and have those hard conversations. Um, whether it's, you know, the driver doesn't know where he's going, the backstep guy doesn't know what lines to pull. Listen, set these expectations and roll them. I, in my, you know, entire career, have only had one officer set expectations for me. Wow. I can probably guess that most people in the fire service has never had an officer sit down and go, hey, here's what we stand for. I went down to my new crew when I got promoted. Um, and I got ridiculed for it, but I said, all right, here's the things, the 10 for you, 10 for me, from Mark Van Oppen. Nice. This is what I stand for, which I learned from um, uh, a friend of mine, Dave Moore in Ohio. He, he lives, but his crew's motto is tough and confident. From the Apollo 1 mission, Gene Krantz made that speech, you know, from here on out, NASA and flight control will be known as two things, tough and confident. If you've never seen that speech, definitely something to look up. And that's what I tell my guys we are. Engine 2A, company 2A, will be tough. They'll be known as tough and confident. Um, yeah, I can't remember the whole thing off the top of my head, but that's how it is. And, you know, guys can look at me goofy all they want, but I run around the board every day, and we live by it. You know, I, I think I got – when I first got to the, my first station, I'm no longer there anymore. I didn't intend for you, intend for me. They printed out an old picture of me when I was, like, a one-year guy playing rock band with, like, a fire helmet on from my Facebook and put it on there with me. And I'm like, great, cool. Took it off the wall and threw it down with it. He's still bright. You know, it's you're gonna catch help, but you know what? You're the officer. You're there to set these examples and set the accountability for your men and women. If you're not, you're failing them. If you're not expecting these people to do their jobs, they just come in and act like it's, you know, a day working at the YMCA, that's on you. And when your company fails to perform the fire ground, what's the first thing a company officer does when their company can I curse for that? I'm trying to hold F's up on the fire gun. They point away, right? They, they say, oh, that's not me. That's my crew. No, and that, that's you. Everything that happens in your firehouse is on you. Dude, love top it. the bottom. And, love and, it. And, and to point it off on anybody else is unacceptable. You know, it, it's extreme ownership. And if you set that ownership, guess who else does the ownership? The guys underneath you. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's the thing you have to do. Um, empower your people. You know, okay, I have accountability, but guess what? You're the one that's going to set the medical rotation. You're the one that's going to switch this. That's your job. You know, also, like, one thing in, in one of my senior guys, and uh, he just got promoted, one of our guys, somebody kept saying his name wrong. And uh, it frustrated him. He said, hey, listen, that's not his name. This is how you say his name. And he probably went a little too, too verbose into it, but it's a big deal. Are you saying your guy's name right? No doubt. That's his last name. That's his identity. These are the things that matter. Or are you just saying, oh, this is my new guy. Say his name, and it's not right. You know, that's one of the things that an officer, you need to do. Does he have kids? Does he have a wife? When are these big events? Oh, yeah. Match? When's their birthday? Do you not have a case for him? Hey, he's going to training for six months. You know, I'm he has something that says some terrible and really thing that will probably offend everybody outside the firehouse on it. Your mic's messing up with the <laughs> You know, are you are you did go. you get a cake for the guy that's leaving, you know, that says something really offensive on it just because that's what the fire service does? Um, if you're not, then again, your accountability as an officer is failing you. Um, when I kept back to my new station, I got a message from people. when I So I got detailed out for a year and came back. Um, I got messages from this crew that said, welcome home. Those are the people you want to work with. Those are the people you want to care about. I like the old crew. I like the crew I was detailed with, but I think we have something special in what I'm working with downtown with Company 2A. And, uh, you know, to have those messages of 
welcome home. Welcome home. You know, that's that's what you like to hear as an officer, that you think you're you're doing something in the right direction. And I've got guys that I think um, they know I'll, I'll I'll throw down for, with any person above my rank outside the company uh, to defend them. And, and yes. the same thing. It's, Love you it. Know, and, and they, I think for the most part, well, I won't say for the most part, and they'll defend me too. You know, we've done some stuff that people looked at. We've run the 400 from the block behind through a backyard to get to a fire on the CD side. Um, people are like, what was that? I said, well, this is what I saw. And the guys were like, it was the right call. You know, my guys were saying, hey, this is right. This is what we're doing. Um, and it goes a long way. And it, it builds trust from your captain to your junior man. And if you can have that accountability up and down, then you can move mountains every day at work. And then you can have that day where, hey, listen, we've been busy. Here's, we're not going to train today. But, you know, two days from now, you better be ready to go to work. Right on. Dude, I love it. Now, I've, asked, yeah. I've, asked that, I've asked that question from a lot of people now. And that's the first time I've heard officer accountability being the answer. But that is so, so very true. And It's, uh, it's such a weak point in the American Fire Service um, because it's so easy to tap your bugles and say, listen, it's them. Um, it's not me. It's not my decisions. Everything in that company that would happen is you. Oh, Everything absolutely. that you allow is a mark of you. So when the battalion chief comes to you and chews your ass out, you can't go around and chew the other people out because you allowed whatever it was to happen. And if you do, you're not a very good company officer. I'll say that right now. Uh, Awesome. Okay, so I always ask my guests if they have a book they would like. I, I love, I'm an avid reader, and I try to always find books to read. In fact, my, my stack of books that I'm behind on reading is getting taller and taller because everybody <laughs> always suggests such great books. So I always give the guest a chance to suggest a book that he thinks firefighters should read, and then – so go for it. So I have two. Uh, okay. I think they work well with it together, and I found this through uh, – Excuse me, Chris Brennan, Fire Service Warrior. That kind yes. of started my whole journey where I am. And so, uh, you know, to call Gary Lane and those guys a friend after reading them for years is um, is, is phenomenal. And, right on. Um, these guys are just great human beings. It's kind of coming back again, resurrection of the Fire Service Warrior. But um, Chris wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Combat Position. Okay. As you can see, it's probably a little well-worn out now. But, you know, oh, shoot, I even got a bookmark in there. Look at that. You can tell how back my, my far obsession goes to fire service. I mean, riding, <laughs> awesome. Rod, riding an old Han back in uh, that's Mercer County, somewhere. So that's Aaron Heller where he's at. Is, uh, that's Mercer County is where I grew up. And uh, so it's a great book. Um, really dives into you know physical and psychological aspects of the job, um, and just stuff you wouldn't think about. And then it works into uh, on combat, which is from Dave Grossman, which is actually a, a book of from the the military. Uh, and law enforcement, but it has some really good lessons psychologically when it comes to firefighters and the stress that we deal with in dealing with different situations. Um, you know, I think they really prepared me for a lot of stuff as a company officer and a lot of stuff that uh, I've rallied for um, as far as when I started teaching and even within the last couple of years. Um, you know, people would be a whole lot better off understanding the psychology of what we do, you know, wh whether it's you know, the OODA loop with Boyd, or even, you know, you start looking back into the, uh, uh, Van, Van, I think it's Van Klauswitz, I can't even say, you know, it's military thinking for even back then. Yes. And I'm not a big military leadership guy when it comes to the fire service. I think some of that stuff m misses the mark because I just don't think we're military enough. We're paramilitary, but not really uh, that much. But the thought processes and understanding 
you know, movement and counter movement and, you know, art of war kind of type stuff. I think that absolutely does. Um, Even though it's not a war, I think Dennis and I talked about this on the podcast and it's more like recreational hunting where you put some, a deer in a fence and you go up and shoot it because the fire doesn't know you're coming for it. Um, But it's just, it's really good stuff on thought processes and quitting and, you know, you never let anybody die in the training grounds and, you know, stuff like that. That's any time we train, it's as realistic as possible, but no one, I never let anybody die. I never let anybody fail because start, we start reinforcing failure. And I think it's bad for people in the long run. Okay. Nice. Nice. So on combat and uh, the combat, the position. combat position. Okay. Both of them have combat in. I had a question yep. for you here from fire medic Barlow. Okay. And he said, he asked his chief, if I can get it back up here. He asked his chief the one thing an officer needs, and he said they need to make decisions off of facts and not emotion. What is your thoughts? So, it, I mean, emotions are, are kind of taken out of it. I know um, we all have emotions, but you really do need to make your decisions based on what you're seeing on the fire ground. I try to limit decision-making on the fire ground because I don't think we have enough time. So I eliminate decisions, and that's why what I teach when I say, all right, People are like, oh, we have a cross lay, it's a fog and uh, a smoothbore. Well, no, it should be just be a smoothbore or just be a fixed gallonage fog. Whichever one you choose works better for your department. There should be no decision making. The reason I say no, you know, a fixed gallonage fog or a smoothbore, anything you have to decide which way, you know, oh, if I didn't want to do a select gallonage, no. That stuff's all determined beforehand. The only thing the nozzleman that Laguerre said this is the only thing he should worry about is open or closed. You know, that's it's application nice. rate. Nice. Um, as an officer, you really need to just be thinking too, like, hey, listen, this is my preset playbook. I have these things in the back of my head. If you haven't sat down and gone through these playbooks in your head, you know, with Nate's fire, um, Nate died in Maryland uh, almost two years ago now. His officer never realized that there was a possibility somebody in front of him could fall through the floor. I can tell that by her action. Um, You need to be mentally prepared for these things to do. Because if you're not, that emotion takes over. And once emotion takes over your brain, you're in lizard brain that's done. I tell my guys all the time, that's why estimating stretch is so important, is you need to be good at it, and that's the main thing, one of the things I teach. Um, it can't be done with, holy shit, there's fire blowing out a window or something like that. Every fire is a fire of life and builds considered a lot of life. You need to make these decisions without that emotional influence. So he's absolutely right. He's chief's right. Um, and even disciplinary, anything, whether it's a fire ground or in the firehouse. You know, there's things that I've come back and people have said some stuff, and I'm just like, really? And I walk away. And I come back and I go, well, is that a disciplinary offense or is it not? No, it's probably not. It's probably just how I reacted to it. So even in the firehouse on the soft skills of it, it has to be solely based on the facts when you're looking. You can't let your emotions – like once you go lizard brain, once you get stressed up, things go terrible on the fire ground and in the firehouse. I don't know if well, I answered it or not. <laughs> no, I think it was a very good answer, man, all the way across the board, from tactics to the firehouse. Uh, so awesome, man. Hey, uh, thanks for the questions, guys. Kyle, thanks for coming on and, uh, uh, the books, the everything. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for putting together the conferences. Uh, thanks for sharing the articles Uh, and thanks for being an awesome guest. Um, is there anything coming up with everything going on in the world right now? I don't think there's anything coming up hardly for anybody, but anything you want to hit touch on? There actually is. We're doing a uh, webinar on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it's called the quarantine firefighter online conference. Uh, I think we'll eventually change the name if we're going to do it regularly, just call it like the watch desk webinar or something like that. Um, 
I didn't want to change the name now. This gets confusing. I don't want people to think we're we're trying to make fun of people that are quarantined because I know there's people out there that are sure, that are going sure. stir crazy and dealing with some stuff that's uh, that's terrible. And you know, I hope everybody's doing well and taking care of themselves. And we're going to give um, anything, you know, any of the the, the gross stuff, uh, the profits above and beyond what what it costs to run it and, and stuff like that to a charity. Well, won't be much. It should be somewhere around you know twenty five hundred dollars. But hopefully that makes a difference for somebody. And we're going to find a charity whether it's you know, just somebody that who's, you know, wife or somebody got laid off. We need to supplement or a volunteer or somebody that got laid off or, or we'll try to give it to an actual 501c3 and that right way on. we can um, make sure all the money's going to where it needs to go. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's coming up. It's $5 a day. Um, we thought it was going to be like 50 people when I first made it. So I was right. like, oh, $5 a day, that'll cover the cost. Because that internet stuff, that's not free. You got to pay for bandwidth right. and you got to pay for attendees. And then when you add hosts, it increases it even more. Um, and so we had a bump to the 1,000 person webinar. We're only around 600 to 750, I haven't looked a while, uh, registrants, but I mean, it's still a lot. Um, but we want to make sure people know that all the instructors are doing it for free out of their, uh, you know, just to trying to help out. And then everything we make after everything's paid for, uh, we'll go towards uh, we'll go to charity as well. So that's what we got coming up. It's going to be this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, from ten to two, two to four each day. So no, you got you know, an awesome every, lineup. Awesome lineup of uh, yeah, speakers coming on that. Kurt day. Isaacson, yes. uh, Steve Robertson from uh, Columbus, Dennis Laguerre, Daryl yes. Liggins from from uh, from um, Oakland. Um, some some really big heavy hitters, some guys that maybe if you're not as squirrely as I am, maybe you haven't heard before, but some guys that are some amazing, amazing instructors. And it's going to be ADD proof. It's a 30 minutes to an hour each uh, nice. with that two hour break in between. That way, your you know your wife or your husband can't get too mad at you for uh, for spending all day on the computer. You've got that nice two hour break in the middle where you can spend some time with your kids, do some stuff around the house. Because I know I couldn't sit in front of a computer for for four six hours straight. Sure. Um, especially an hour and a half lectures. That doesn't work for me. I got to have it quick and, and succinct. So they're going to be kind of mini lectures. Um, it is going to be recorded and disseminated out. Of course, uh, we don't want people to download it and share it with anybody else because some of this stuff right. is proprietary information. Um, and that's another big thing that I'm, I'm, I push on is people need to respect people's intellectual property rights. And that's a big thing in the fire service. It's really kind of gone by the way, unfortunately. Um, and that I do want to sound angry about anybody that rips off intellectual property rights is uh that that's the one thing that probably makes me truly angry. Other than truly, that, it's, truly pissed. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of an intensity that uh, my passion goes through. But um, yeah, lucky thirteen powder coat. Think I'm angry now. Yeah. No, no, lucky thirteen powder coat. So what's the name of the class? So hit the name of that again one more time. It's the Quarantine Firefighter Online Conference. It's kind of a, a a jumbled name. We were just kind of having a little bit of fun with it. I said we we're hoping maybe fifty people would would sign up. But um, and I'll share it. I'll post a link for you, Lucky, yeah. and uh, get it on there. It was the Quarantine Firefighter Podcast, but then people were like, oh, great. People are traveling to West Point because on Facebook it says, you know, the location of the event. I'm like, no, no one's traveling. It's all on Zoom. Uh, if you guys do sign up, be a little patient with us. We're not sure what the bandwidth is going to be like with everybody working from home and the schools doing stuff. So it may be a little choppy at first, but we'll get it right out. And then if you miss anything, it's going to be recorded. And we'll sure. send that into your email inbox. So. Awesome, man. Well, Kyle? Uh, thank you for coming on and being a guest. It's been a it's been a pleasure. I love picking your brain, answering questions, fielding questions from the viewers. All the viewers that came and watched, thank you. Uh, again, thank you for all you've done for the fire service, the Sons of the Flag, burn victims, the charities, all that stuff, man. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed, and it is uh, it it shows your heart, and it's appreciated. So, all that being said, thanks again for being a guest. Thank you. And uh, for everyone else, 
Thanks for watching. I hope the tone stays silent unless it's burning, guys. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.